right, welcome to episode two of Adversity University. We're very excited to have our first female athlete join the show. She was a nine-time high school state champion. She was named the 2018 Gatorade High School Runner of the Year across the entire country. She's currently a three-time NCAA champion and a member of the first ever Triple Crown cross-country team at Oregon. She was ranked fifth in the NCAA going into this year's indoor track meet. She's an eight-time NCAA All-American and the current collegiate record holder in the distance medley relay. Welcome and thank you for joining Hi, Katie Raysburg. Well, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Um, and just like really excited about your guys' message and um, excited to get to know you guys. Yeah, we're really excited to have you. So first of all, for those of us who don't understand track and cross country, uh, can you explain what the triple crown is in cross yeah, country? Yeah, so um, runners typically, like if you're a mid long distance runner, you typically are running um, all three seasons. So you have cross country in the fall, you have indoor track in the winter, and then you have outdoor track in the spring. And they're technically three different sports, um, but I'll be running like a 6K cross country race in the fall with my team. And then indoor um, is the whole track team. So what you would expect, um, throwers, jumpers, sprinters, and then um, outdoor. Um, but the events for each one are a little bit different. And while I was at Oregon, um, our team won cross country in the fall. We won indoors in the winter, and then we won outdoors in the spring. It was the first time a program had ever won all three um in one year and um i was the only person to uh score points for the team at all three meets wow that's incredible that's not impressive at all <laughs> yeah right it sounds really weird saying like when you're in the middle of doing it when you're in that like process and you're in that zone you're not thinking about like let's win the triple crown it's like I have a job to do. I have to go out there and run this race and I like have to do it for my team. It's like, it's so much bigger than yourself. Like, it's just like this huge, it's this huge thing. And it's like, it's not even about me. It's like, it's about, you know, so much more. It's about the team. It's about the university. Um, it's about like making history, kind of like American Pharaoh. I don't know if you guys follow horse racing, but. Oh yeah. 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 Um, yeah. That was kind of our motto for the year. That's pretty well, that's cool. That's the way you have to look at it. If, there's something bigger than yourself driving you every day, then I think it's a lot easier to reach those goals. So that team first mentality definitely helped. Um, I know that you're always looking to make progress. So how have you been and what are you doing to keep yourself busy during the quarantine? I've been good. I've been really good. Um, I'm trying to kind of stick to a routine. Um, trying to get creative in the home gym. You know, uh, I'm using like hardback books as like slides you know <laughs> and like just um getting creative in the weight room thinking about like what were some weaknesses that I had going into this outdoor season and like how can I use this kind of like forced downtime to like work on those um you know I can't really complain I live in a really um outdoorsy and like just super welcoming place like Colorado Springs is just a great place to be um so, you know, just focusing on the two things that I control, can control, and that's my attitude and my effort. And like, can't really control what's going on around you, but you can control those two things. So kind of what I'm doing right now. 
I love that. Uh, me and Sean joke around and my dad kind of instilled this to me too, but he always said to me, you know, the only two things you can't control are your attitude and your effort. So I think that's a great model to live by. Um, so kind of, you know, a lot of people obviously suffered from this and such a bad timing for COVID-19 to hit, but um, your season was just beginning when COVID-19 hit and the NCAA um, shut things down. So um, where, when, where were you when the news hit? Yeah, it was kind of bizarre. So um, there's a little bit of overlap between the indoor and the outdoor season. Um, and I was actually at the NCAA Indoor National Championships when they um, told us our season was being canceled. And I was less than 12 hours away from racing the final of the DMR and the 3K. Um, so it was That's like we were in out record in, right? Yeah, so I was, I was um, so the DMR is a, a relay, and it's really cool because it's the only relay that combines sprints and distance. So um, you run a 1,200, a 400, an 800, and then a mile. Um, and I typically run the mile, which is the anchor. And like, yeah, so our team was ranked third going in. We were stoked about it. I feel like we could have really competed well in it and like then the next day I would have run the 3k final um and we were there in Albuquerque like had already gone to the track to practice like had seen all the other competitors like and then they were like hey actually the meet's canceled go home and at in the moment I was like are you kidding me like we're already here I have already been in contact with every other person that's at this meet too and like We've worked so hard all winter for this. And like, this is like what you, this is like the accumulation of all that hard work, right? Like you have this buildup and you're like preparing and you're putting in hard work and you're just like constantly like feeding this like goal, this motivation. And then all of a sudden you get to that point where you're like about to like make it happen. Like you have like the final of a, of a, some sort of meet and like all of a sudden it's just like poof, gone. And it just felt like, it feels, I feel incomplete almost. It feels like there's something missing. Like you didn't get that like reward, you know, for all that hard work you got put in. And so um, I ended up just coming like right home afterwards because Albuquerque is not that far from Colorado. So I didn't go back to Seattle. I just, I came right back. Um, to kind of like decompress and like figure out like what the hell is going on. And like, it took a couple of days, but I was like, wow, this thing is so much bigger than me and my season and sports. And like, I, um, I think it's hard because you see that there's so much suffering going on and you see that there's so many people being affected by this virus and at the same time, I can't help but like grieve for my season. And like, how do you reconcile those two things? You know, like how do you see all of these people suffering and dying? And then at the same time, be like really upset about your sport, you know? Yeah, yeah I, uh, I know exactly how you're feeling. My team was actually in the second round of our playoffs. So we had won the weekend before, earned the right to move on. And uh, personally, as a senior, it was really tough to hear our coach walk in as we were eating our pregame meal. So we were supposed to play, you know, five hours later. He goes, hey, it's postponed. We're talking about maybe 
potential ways to play without fans or a neutral site and things are just changing so quickly and like you said it's so crazy to have the peak of everything you've worked for just taken away from you like that especially as seniors as you are too um, but at the same time we do have to put it into perspective that we do have our health and uh, it was the right decision to keep people away from each other to try and slow this curve but I definitely know what you're talking about there with it being taken away from you. Um, and it was tough, tough to swallow for sure. Um, I was, uh, I was lucky that our season was already over, but I mean, obviously, like you said, working hard for something and not, not getting to compete for, you know, the, and it's not even just that year, right? It's the years and years and years that you've put an effort to every day, you know, getting 1% better or 0.1% better. And obviously this doesn't make up for it, but, uh, the NCAA did give uh, spring athletes an extra year of eligibility. Um, so as we were talking before, you mentioned you're going to use that. So that's good for you where, um, you know, winter sports like Sean, unfortunately, are done and kind of have to move yeah. on with no, you know, just kind of nothing. Like it's really hard to move on from that. Like what do you think? Or it just ended so abruptly. Yeah. Um, like you said, I uh, am really fortunate that I get to come back um for another year of outdoor and I also have a fifth year of eligibility for indoors as well um so I'll get back an indoor and an outdoor season I was hurt earlier in my collegiate career so that's why I have indoor season and um yeah so I'll, I'll get an indoor and an outdoor season but it it feels like there's no resolution um for a lot of the people that um don't get the opportunity to come back because um, University of Washington is giving seniors that fifth year of eligibility, but there's schools that aren't. And, um, you know, a lot of, I think, Big Ten schools, a couple other smaller schools with not quite as much um, financial resources that aren't able to bring kids back. And it's hard. It's, um, it makes me feel very fortunate. Um, and at the same time, like, I think that, like, there's got to be a reason for this. Like there's got to be something that we can take from this. Um, like you guys said, like adversity is what makes or break an athlete. And like how you deal with that is like the deciding factor between like good and great. And if you can use setbacks and adversity and hard times to like make you better, you learn so much more from yourself during those times than you do when like things are going well. Yeah, I know one thing that I've heard a lot growing up as an athlete is play every game or in your case, run every race like it's your last. So that's sort of the message that I think I'm gonna to try to take from this whole experience is that, that you never know when it'll end. Um, and so I guess just make the most of every opportunity. But just backtracking a little bit, you did mention that you're from Colorado Springs and. Some of the viewers may not know this, but Colorado Springs and Lake Placid, New York, are the only two cities in the country with a United States Olympic and Paralympic Training Center. So what was it like growing up in Colorado Springs? And do you think that being located in Olympic City, USA, influenced your choice to begin track and field? Um, I definitely think that being in this city has a huge motivational aspect. Um, we actually live here because my mom lived and trained at the um, Olympic Training Center here in the spring. So um, there was always, I always knew that it was there. And um, 
I think like having that resource was really a good opportunity for me. Um, it made, so I've made five um, USA teams and like, I don't think I would have had those opportunities had I not um, known about the Olympic Training Center here and like had access to some of those resources and like honestly just be like inspired by the athletes that are in and out of Carter Springs. Like you'll hear like, oh, Michael Phelps is at the pool today. And I'm like, Michael Phelps is at the pool today? Like, are you kidding me? Like, that is so cool. Um, And then like, honestly, like the city itself has, I want to say like thousands of miles of dirt trails that you could run. Like I could run a different trail every day for a whole year. And like that makes running all the more enjoyable. Um, So, you know, having that was a really big like factor. And then also just like my high school coaches, you know, like they, um, they were awesome. They were great. They only wanted the best for my development. And um, I think that also is a huge factor. Yeah. Um, as, you, as you mentioned, your mom is also a very well-recognized athlete. Um, can you tell us about her multi-sport career and how she impacted you as a mother and a coach? Yeah. So she grew up swimming actually and went to University of Michigan on a full ride to swim. Uh, made the Olympic trials, but it, they were boycotted that year. I think it was Jimmy Carter. Um, and so she spent the summer um, in Jackson with no pool. So she started running to kind of like stay in shape. And by the time she got back to school in the fall, she decided to quit swimming, uh, give up her full ride and join the cross country team and the track team. And by the end of the season, she was all American and back on a full ride. Um, So then she had a really successful running career, um, won Boston Marathon, the Boston Marathon. Um, She's won Chicago. Um, She ran all around the world. She was fourth at the Olympic trials twice, three times. Yeah, crazy. And um, then she, yeah, moved here to be a triathlete. Um, So like, I just kind of grew up in the sport. Like I was never forced to do it. And I was never told like, you have to be a runner. I just like grew up around it. Um, Grew up playing soccer and like, I don't know, I just kind of naturally gravitated towards running. Um, and I think like, just like never being forced into it as a young kid, but like being around it kind of like drew me towards it, if that makes sense. No, for sure. Uh, that's another great story about fighting adversity. And, uh, you know, you make the Olympics as a swimmer and when the country doesn't go, you switch sports. Um, and similar to your mom, you were, uh, also a multi-sport athlete, um, and you were also a very successful uh, and talented soccer player. Um, you played on top teams. So when did you have to decide between the two sports? And was that a tough decision for you? Yeah, that was super tough. I mean, my email growing up is Katie the soccer girl at hotmail.com. So I mean, like I was going to be the next Mia Hamm. Like that was the trajectory. <laughs> no. Um, so I played soccer uh, in high school up until um, up through my junior year. And um, I was playing club and running cross country in the fall and then indoor soccer in the winter and then outdoor track and high school soccer in the spring. And like, it got to the point where I was like, I think I need to be running more miles um, in order to like 
get better. I mean, you did, it's the more miles you run, the faster you're going to get, um, the better you're going to get. So, but like soccer practice was, you know, two or three hours of my day. And so it was honestly a really hard decision. Um, but I knew I was going to have more opportunities in running and I just had this like gut feeling that I was going to like, that I could do something special in this sport and like having my mom almost make a couple Olympic teams was like, you know, I want to do this for her. Like, let's see if I can make this happen. And, um, so I quit soccer. Um, that was, that was really hard. I, um, still see myself like gravitating towards soccer fields. Like even now, like <laughs> it's, um, I really enjoy watching it and, um, that sort of thing. But yeah, I mean, I'm really glad that I made the decision that I did. Um, but I think being a multi-sport athlete really helps, uh, not only like your development, but it like makes you more diverse and it gives you like life skills with like both like team building and, um, I wouldn't have changed it. No, so that's all. That, do you think that focusing on the positives from it rather than the negatives of, oh, I lost soccer and looking at it like, oh, I gained these skills and all these friends, do you think that helped you with the transition or how do you think you got through that tough choice? Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, most things come down to your mindset and how you frame things and your perspective. Um, so like having the positive um positive mental vibes or you know just like positive mental attitude about things and like trying to get the most out of yourself and the situation um is really important because you know sports are pretty hard <laughs> and like you it's not always easy and like sometimes you can like you lose a game or like you know you you'll lose a race and or you don't run or play as well as you know you could have. And it's pretty easy to get down on yourself. And um, I think trying to find like the silver lining and like what you did well and like reframe those sort of situations is like key to like the longevity in the sport. Like if you want to do this for a while, like you got to be gotta be kind to yourself <laughs> and you gotta find the positives and um learn from it you know for sure you talk about the longevity i got just curious um so you may have multiple races within a day and sometimes they're spread out so or even if they're back to back days so just from a personal standpoint what do you do to recover you take ice baths like what is your recovery process like yeah so i for some reason love doubling um, in high school, I ran four meets or four races at the state meet. Um, I ran the 800, the mile, the four by eight, and the two mile. Um, I don't really know why now that I think about it, but <laughs> um, it was just like exciting because it took the pressure off of any one race. And um, it kind of made like, it was like, how can I get the most out of myself? So, you know, you go, you race, like with prelims in a final. So like in college races, you have like a prelim on Friday and a final on Saturday. And it's hard because five people in each prelim typically make the final. And um, so it's like, all right, how can I 
you know, run to get top five and advance to the final with maybe a little bit less energy. So I have, you know, some saved for the race the next day, but at the same time, like you don't want to play so safe that you don't make the final. Right. So like, it's a little bit more tactical than I think you, most people would, I guess, assume like maybe you sit on people for two laps and then you take it or with, two to go or maybe your strength is kicking like that sort of thing but um <laughs> my coach always says you cross the finish line of that prelim you kind of like look around at your competitors and you dust off your shoulders and you run off the track like you barely even ran because it really messes with their head <laughs> if they see you run off the track after a prelim <laughs> but um I typically will try and like run a mile or two easy after the race um, to like cool down and then like food right away. Um, I really like chocolate milk. Um, I think it has a good ratio of like carb, sugar, protein. Um, and then like for me, sometimes it's hard to sleep after I compete at night or like race. Um, so sometimes I'll take like, um, Sometimes I'll try and take melatonin and that sometimes helps, but other times I just kind of accept the fact that like, I'm not going to sleep well, or like you don't have to have a perfect night's sleep to like be rested. Um, yeah. And then if it's hot out, I'll take an ice bath, but typically in the winter it's pretty cold out. So I don't take an ice bath. Um, but I think that helps a lot. Um, trying to think of other things. Um, that's all I have right now. Yeah. Yeah. I know, I know Garrett will agree with me. Uh, in junior and college hockey, you play Friday and Saturday night. And, uh, after you play a Friday night game, you definitely can't get to sleep. So on the road, whenever you have a roommate, you're usually up till 2am just talking about absolutely random stuff, getting to know each other just because you can't <laughs> fall asleep after the game. Yeah. It's cause you're wired, you know? Yeah. You're that's tough. Yeah. Um, taking it back earlier, you were talking about, uh, the decision to, you know, go track and cross country versus soccer. Um, when you decided, you said you thought you might be able to do something special with that and you want to see it through. Was it at that point in time that you thought that you might be able to take it to the NCAA or further? Yeah. Um, so my, the end of my sophomore year, um, I ran 440 in the mile and I got an offer to run in college on a full ride. Um, and I was like, oh, wow, like, that's pretty cool. Like, maybe I should do this. And then my junior year in cross, um, I won the cross country state meet and um, I made my first USA team and I went to race in like Colombia and China. And um, it was kind of like at that point where I was like getting those opportunities to like race all over the world that I was like, wow, like, this is what I want to be doing. Um, and then it really kind of like jump started my senior year. And um, I set like three national records my senior year. And um, I was like seventh in the world um, at uh, like US juniors. And um, yeah, so I mean, I just like, I took that and like kind of ran with it figuratively and literally. <laughs> Um, have you ever had an injury that prevented you from competing? And if so, 
what was that time like for you as an athlete losing the ability to do what you love? Yeah. So, um, I kind of skirted all injuries in high school. And so I kind of got to college and I was like, had this mindset where I was like invincible. Like I did all the little things, right. You know, like I stretched, I rolled, I ate enough. I slept like, you know, like if you do all those things, right. You're not going to get hurt. Right. Like you don't, I didn't run too much. Like I was, I just had this like, you know, positive feedback loop. Like I'm doing all the little things, right. I'm not getting hurt. I'm doing all the little things, right. I'm not getting hurt. And then like, I had this like incredible freshman year where I like, you know, won the triple crown, um, sophomore year, I come to cross country and I was like, all right, like mess with me. I dare you. And so I like get into cross and like, I'm setting records and I'm winning races and I get to the regional meet and I'm like, Hey, like I get Achilles kind of hurts. And I was like, all right, you know, like I got one week till nationals. Like I can run on a sore Achilles for a week. Right. So I get to nationals and like, it's kind of like weighing in the back of my mind. I'm like, yo, like this doesn't feel right. But at that point, like, what can you do? You're already there. I've already run the season. So um, somewhere in that race, I don't, I don't remember feeling it, but I remember after the race, I, I couldn't walk. And I had, I had a pretty swollen Achilles and ankle. And I was like, like, what the heck? Like, all right, well, season's over. So I'm going to take some time off. Um, took some time off, got in a couple of x-rays, MRIs, and they were like, hey, like, there's no tear. Like, you're fine. Like, there's, you know, some inflammation. So here's some anti-inflammatories. But, like, you could probably start running in a couple of weeks. And I was like, oh, sweet. Like, this is going to be great. So I go home for winter break, and I come back to school in January, and it's no better. Like, I still can't put weight on it. It's still sore and they're trying to get me to come back quickly. Right. Like they want me on that DMR. They want me racing for indoors. I'm, they want my points, right? Like it's pretty ruthless. you know what I mean? Like at Oregon, it's a top, top notch program. And like, you're there to bring points to the table. And so I um, was trying to come back, trying to come back. And I was like, I'm in so much pain. And I'm also so frustrated, right? Like people are telling me I'm fine. People are telling me like you can run. And at the same time, it like hurts pretty freaking bad to put like any sort of weight on. And so then I kind of started to doubt myself. I was like, you know, maybe I'm just, you know, being a baby, you know, maybe I'm just like, maybe I just need to tough it out. Right. And, um, I got another x-ray. I came home, I got another x-ray done at Stedman and I had, a tear in my, uh, like a full tear in my Achilles and uh, a broken bone in my ankle. I broke my talus, um, which is the bone that like goes, that your tibia hits your, anyways. Um, I was out for like four more months after that. I had surgery on it to repair it. And um, it was really hard. It was really hard. Like seeing my teammates out there every day, I don't know who planned this out, but the pool looked out on the track. So like I'd be running in the pool or swimming in the pool or on the bike and my teammates would be like out running. And I was like, this is some sort of cruel joke, right? Like, um, it was tough. I remember like 
it was the same time period as um, the Winter Olympics. So I, um, I would watch like, you know, ice hockey, honestly, and like different sort of like winter sports. Um, movie Miracle really got me through like a lot of <laughs> indoor bike rides. But um, I think the toughest part about being hurt isn't quite the being hurt part. It's the coming back from it because um, your confidence really takes a shot. Like, I, you start to kind of second guess yourself. Um, you start to maybe, you know, question if you're fit, if you're ready, um, what are your competitors doing, um, that sort of thing. And so for me, it was, I knew it was gonna be really hard physically coming back. Like I knew I was gonna be out of shape. I knew it was gonna be hard to run and that sort of thing. But I had no idea how hard mentally it would be to come back from an injury that took you out for so long because like your confidence and like your like tenacity and that like kind of swagger you have, it like, it doesn't come back as quickly as like physical fitness. Yeah, what are some things you did to maybe combat that and maybe help yourself see the light at the end of the tunnel that you could come out on the other side stronger? Right. Um, I think that it's like an ongoing kind of evolving process and like I'm still working through it and it's not like, it's not linear. Like your trajectory, you, you want to just like keep getting better and keep getting better and keep getting better, but it's not like that. Like you're going to come up and then you're going to come back down and you're going to like have to ride this roller coaster. And I found that like acceptance and like controlling the controllables are two ways that like you slowly gain confidence. Um, some of the best advice I ever got was like, Katie, stop trying to run 420 in the mile. Like you can run 430 in the mile, okay? So like go run 430 in the mile, but every time you try and run 420 in the mile, you're gonna blow up. But if you run 430 in the mile, then that's great. And next week you could run 429 in the mile. And then the week after that, maybe you run 428 in the mile. And like, it was like, you just have to be present and kind of just like aware of where you are right now. Because when your expectations don't match reality, that's where disappointment kind of like sets in. Um, so I'm just trying to focus on doing what I can each day. Yeah, that's definitely a really helpful goal, setting achievable standards for yourself rather than trying to reach for the moon in one day. Yeah, yeah being, being realistic with yourself is the hardest thing. And uh, you mentioned the Stedman Clinic and brought me back to my time. I had bilateral hip surgery oh, gosh. Uh, two seasons ago, and I had my, both my surgeries done at uh, the Stedman Clinic up in Vail. And it was great, but like you said, coming back in the mental aspect, um, for me, I was a little bit different from you, but um, I thought that it was going to be a lot easier than it was. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to be ready to play games in October. And we played our first game and I couldn't even make it through the first two periods. And it was just a complete reality check for me um, in a sense of how much stronger I need to get, how much better shape I need to be in. So, um, yeah, I mean, obviously going through any major setback like that is tough and there's different adversities that come with that. But 
kudos to you for getting through that and obviously to continue to be successful. And going back to some of that success, while you were at Oregon, as you mentioned earlier, you were part of the first ever Triple Crown team. Um, and after all this success, um, what happened to cause you to transfer to the University of Washington and what was that transfer process like? Yeah, so um, after my sophomore year, I found out that the head distance coach, uh, Marisa Powell at Oregon, um, took the head job at University of Washington. Um, and Marisa Powell, my distance coach, was the person that I had the relationship with. She was the person that like got me through the injury process and like she cared about me as a person and like checked in with me and like wanted to see how I was doing and like, I had this relationship with built up with her and I trusted her and like trusting your coach is huge. Like that's like the one thing. And I'm sure for you guys too, but like in distance running, like you trust your coach, man, like that's make or break. And um, so I transferred with her. I went to university of Washington where she took the head coaching job and I've been a part of building like that program up and it's been really incredible. Wow. That's definitely a leap of faith to follow a coach to a new program, especially after, like we said, the success you've had at Oregon and just the reputation they have as a school. Um, going yeah. into the 2019 track season, you started to experience something different. Um, you were essentially freezing in the middle of races as an elite athlete who relies on their physical ability, what was it like to lose control of your own body? It was pretty scary, to be honest, because at the time it seemed physical. It was like my legs were made of lead. Like I literally couldn't go any faster. Like people, you know, those bad dreams you have where people are just like flying by you and you're like going backwards. Mm-hmm. That was literally me. And so I was like, my iron must be low or like, maybe I'm not training right or that sort of thing. And it took some like pretty hard conversations with not only myself, but like a professional sports psychologist to figure out like I was having small panic attacks where I was setting these pretty, I was afraid to fail basically. Like I had seen so much success at Oregon that I felt at UW, I couldn't fail. Like I had to prove to people like this was the right decision. Like, look at me now. And so I would get into races and I would get really tense and I would just like, (gasps) almost like fight or flight response, like have a panic attack when people started to kind of like come up on my shoulder or things weren't going the way I thought they would. And, you know, like it was really hard to hear that, no, Katie, like, this is all in your head. Like, this isn't a physical thing. Like, you need to work on how you're framing your running, how you're for framing this fear. And um, it, was, it was probably one of the hardest things I had to go through just because, you know, when you're, you're hurt physically, you you have a set thing that you can do to get back in shape. And when things are not going the way you want to, like mentally, it takes, 
a lot of vulnerability to admit those things and to so katie you were talking about how it was more of a mental battle than physical and you've been through a physical injury which also had affected you mentally what type of techniques did you use to get out of this freezing and get out of your own head it was pretty um difficult process and it took a little bit longer than I think I would have liked. Um, but I kind of came to the conclusion that like, I don't need to prove anything to anyone. Like I am doing, like, why am I doing this was something that I had to ask myself pretty frequently. Like, why am I running? Why am I racing? Like, why am I, why am I doing this? And um if it was to win or if it was for my mom or it was for my coach like those are all not good enough answers and so um I spent some time thinking about like why I love running and like sounds pretty silly but it really made me like realize like I love the way it makes me feel and like I love the way that I feel like I can like express myself through sport and um so I was able to kind of like reframe racing not as like a stressful experience where it's like you can't fail like you can't mess up um and it became more of like more of like a canvas and like each race like if it wasn't going the way that I thought it would then I would just like make you know a new plan or I would like adapt and like it became like I needed to stay super present and so I would say Katie focus on your feet Katie focus on your feet and every time my foot hit the ground I would literally think about that impact like I would literally feel my foot hit the ground and that would bring me back to the moment I was in like right now and then I wouldn't be thinking about what was going to happen in three laps or like what was going to happen at the end of the race, because I was focused on what my feet were doing in that moment. And so it was kind of like this like breath of fresh air. Like there was like this cloud with like something on my shoulders that was like, you can't fail. Like you need to like, you know, prove to people that you're still good. Like you can come back from injury. And, um, like kind of letting go of that was super super huge yeah i know i don't know what company it is or where i even saw this but i remember recently hearing a phrase about what's your why and it basically just means what is the reason that you do what you do what goals do you have what's pushing you to get through it so it's awesome to hear that you were able to get out of that and get back to what you love doing um, I think those are some really useful tips that you've given for anybody listening, no matter what goals they're pursuing. Um, so to kind of round your career up, if you could go back and give your younger self a piece of advice, what would that be? Um, probably to have more fun along the way. <laughs> um, there was a point where I was like so focused on, you know, being 
the best athlete, like eating so well, getting enough sleep, like doing everything right that I feel like I kind of missed out on some of the more fun things along the way and um, doing a better job of that now. And I think like an athlete, I to like personally perform way better when I'm happier and like when I'm enjoying myself and I'm like not, you know, stressed about the outcome or that sort of thing. And so like when I'm having fun and I'm enjoying it, like that's when I run well, like that's when I compete. And so like knowing that now I would (laughs) take myself a little bit less seriously um, and like still put in the work, obviously still, you know, grind it all out, but like enjoy the process because like you don't always remember the outcomes of every race or every sort of competition you're in, but like you remember the times that you had with your teammate and you remember like the little things that you had to do along the way. And like, if you're not enjoying the journey, if you're not enjoying each day as it is, like the really good days and the really awesome performances don't come all that often. And so if you're in it for like those reasons, it's a really hard business to be in because you, you have to put in a lot of work along the way. You have to like, um, go to practice when you don't want to, and you have to like lift and do things and eat things that you don't always necessarily want to. But if you can enjoy each day and enjoy the people that you're like with, I think that like, that's what you're going to remember. That's great advice, not only to your younger self, but hopefully the younger audience that will have watching these and honestly, just for anybody. And I think that's a great, great thing to live by in your life too. I think that applies to your job and just everything in general. So great advice from you. Um, Moving on to our last question here. It's probably the most serious question you're going to answer all night. Um, And sorry, this is a tough one. Would you rather fight one cow sized duck or 30 duck sized cows? 30 duck-sized cows. Okay. Why? Um, because they're small and, like, not above my knee, and I feel like I could climb something to get away, and, like, they couldn't follow me, you know? Ducks are vicious. And if you had a cow-sized duck, good luck. Yeah, you're screwed, for sure. <laughs> All right. I agree with you. I agree with you. Well... Katie, thank you so much for coming on. Like we said earlier, you've given a ton of great insight to anybody listening and we're rooting for you in your next year or your two seasons left. And thank you so much again for joining us. Yeah, thank you guys for having me.